Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Blind Ambition with Jack Kelly. It's your friend, Rick, and today we have a kind of a special topic to discuss. It's remote work. It's Elon Musk. It's name calling. It's this concept of what is morally right. Um, Jack, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but... You know, a few weeks ago, Elon Musk had this kind of bombshell interview with CNBC. And what he basically told the, the anchor, the host, was remote workers needed to get off their goddamn moral high horse. You know, there's some kind of, you know, remote work is great for me, but not for anyone else. And um, the words that he, the examples that he gave were, you know, this quote-unquote laptop class, these white-collar techie professionals that want to work from home, they want to travel abroad and kind of live this digital nomad life, but they still expect the restaurant person to not work remotely, right? Because they expect to be served there. You know, Tesla and SpaceX, those, those car makers, those rocket makers, they obviously can't build from the comfort of their own home on their own, right? They have to go... A, to an actual workplace and collaborate with people. And a lot of people, especially in the tech industry, were really upset by Elon Musk's um, comments, right? It, they're thinking like, oh, God, Elon, he's like the, the awkward grandpa Thanksgiving dinner that you don't know what to do with it. Like, there's grandpa again. H have you seen this, Jack? Yes. So wait, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> let's, let's, let, let me take a little, little bit of it at a time. First of all, with Musk, you got you to gotta understand, he's talking up his own book. His, you know, he has businesses, you know, building cars, building rocket ships, right? Building solar panels. You can't do that in your living room. You can't do it on your dining room table. It doesn't work that way. So I think it's a game. It's a game. He's speaking to the people who are mission critical to making Teslas and, and making SpaceX and making, you know, Neuralink. And you can't do that at home. So it's, it's to then, you know, say, Elon Musk, you're terrible. You're an awful, dreadful human being. Well, you got to think what's in it for him. Now, if he would say, okay, we should all work remotely then he's just kind of dumping on all the people who are in the factories. And that's not cool. And that's, that's, right. that's what's making it go. And if he would do that, he's going to get, you don't want somebody work on your Tesla who's ticked off because you, <laughs> you want your brakes to work. Yeah, you don't I, want your yeah, engine I want to the, explode. The smartest, nerdiest person, right? the most right? rigorous, diligent person. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make, you want to <laughs> love those people. You want to go down on the floor and shake their hands and get them a drink and take care of them. And let's be frank. The office kind of workers, they probably have hybrid and all that. I'm sure they have some remote and they under, and they get it too. They're not dumb. If they're working for, for Musk, they're not dummies. They get it. They understand. They're not taking it personal. The ones who took it personally at the beginning when he was just firing everybody, that was a little different. When he first took over Twitter, <laughs> that was a little different. He just like, you know, he, that, he set the stage for what happened with all the layoffs, right? He's like, I don't like this. There are too many people who are working here who aren't doing anything. You're fired. That's a terrible impression. I don't even know why I try to do that. So he just, <laughs> you know, he got rid of Shima real time. And then everybody woke up, you know, you know, Mark Zuckerberg goes, wait a minute. I could fire people 
and my stock price goes up. This is yeah. awesome. I'm going to keep doing that and, and multiply that by all these other companies. So you had that chain reaction of just, if you think about it, how many times did you see, you know, Apple, Amazon, whatever, when they say they're not so much Apple, but when they started laying off people, their stock price boomed. And then so, so they applauded for people getting laid off. Now, fast forward, you see they're starting to push back to get to the office. You know, Apple, yeah. Meta, they're all like, well, three Google days even. a week, three days a week, we want you in there. Salesforce, what are they doing? They're offering like a donation. So if you go into the office, we're going to give you, we're going to give $10 for your favorite charity. In your name. And they're like, wait, give me the freaking $10 and I'll stay home and I'll give it. I'll give you $20. I'll give a $20 donation. What are you doing? So it's, it's, this is, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's a game, right? I mean, that, that could be the reality, right? But I, I think what needs to be differentiated is if you're a professional, look at kind of, the stage of career that you're in, right? So if you're entry level, if you're kind of the middle of the pack and you're kind of thinking about what's next, whether you want to be like a super individual contributor or if you want to start thinking about the management track, the leadership track, uh, managing people, teams, you know, business units, objectives, projects, um, you know, this remote work thing could work in your favor, right? If you're the person that is like earlier and saying, hey, I'm just in learning mode. That's my number one job. I'm going to like show up to the office where other people kind of don't want to. Um, I'm going to raise my hand for all the like crummy projects or all the things that no one else wants to do or is avoiding. And, you know, the thing about those projects are they're great, right? Because they kind of lower profile Everyone kind of knows they, they stink a bit, but if you're willing to do it and, hey, it works out, you got to take all that credit, right? You got to say, hey, I did this. I accomplished something. I have a great um, kind of reward or accomplishment that I could put under my belt, add on to my resume. And if it stinks, well, everyone kind of knew it was a stinker mm -hmm. anyway, right? So you're not going to get the big blame. Whereas, you know, maybe if you're working on a huge project that's like multifunctional and like really large and, and you you mess up there well there's, there's kind of less room for error right and so you want to give yourself that latitude right where if you're working remotely it, it's kind of harder to manage you and kind of hard to like speak up and you might not get those like killer projects or killer opportunities 100 percent. you know i coach people that you do want to go to the office you want to even go to the office and they get mad at me for saying this. I'll say, <laughs> not only go to the office, go to the office five days a week. And for the exact reasons you articulated, because if you're home, you fall off the radar for the most part. They forget who you are. You don't have those serendipitous meetings in the hallway. You miss right. out on just, just going out for drinks and going out for dinner and taking a client out. Particularly, like you said, if you're young and you're just starting out, you want to get mentored. You want to find somebody who can kind of show you the ropes. You want to learn, you know, and if you're home, you just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do that. Now, the people who work remotely will say, Hey, maybe it's hard, but we'll still figure out, but it's up to, you know, you don't have to work remote. 
And you could come in if you want to. So it does make sense, I think, to go in, as you pointed out, learn as much as possible. You become that go-to person in the organization. Because if, if you go to the office and there's only a handful of people, you're going to get all the cool tasks. You're going to get, I know you mentioned about maybe some bad stuff, but you'll get also a lot of the good stuff because you're there. It's proximity bias. You know, hey, Jack, can you help me with this project? Says the, uh, you know, VP of this or, the, <laughs> you know, managing director of that. I'm like, yeah, I'd be happy to. Let me, let me do it. And then if I do it well, I'm a rock star. So you have that chance to really fast forward ahead of all your peers. That's like a contrarian kind of take on things. So like for the people who are listening to this, who really want to work remotely. And by the way, I work remotely now too. Same, I too. do prefer working in office, but I can't, I can't stand the commute after 20 years. So you got, you know, <laughs> I'm a little different. I'm an old man. I'm crackety. I'm, you know, cranky. I can't do that whole life of commute back and forth. But I, I guess I kind of, I would if I had to. But so if you get into that office and you get known and you're that go-to person and you get these cool responsibilities, you're just going to blow past everybody else. Yeah, I, I, I have a funny story from my early days. So my first job out of college, I think people who are listening to the Blind Ambition may have heard me talk about my experiences here, but it was a lobbying firm. And it's politics, and I'm 22, and I just let my grit just drive my career. And I raised my hands for the projects that no one wanted to do. Yes. You know, um, doing fundraising, you know, I was the only one that wasn't a registered lobbyist at the lobbying firm, so I could do the fundraising. Um, and I smiled for dollars, and I'm calling these people up. Little did I know the people that I'm calling were executives. Like mm -hmm. I was calling the CEO of Zynga. I was calling. So you too, too young to really appreciate like who am I calling? You I get freaked no out. I had no idea <laughs> who I was calling. I was yeah. emailing. I emailed Mark Benioff and I had no idea who he was. You're like, hey, and Mark, was, how you doing, buddy? Yeah. Can you give me a few thousand dollars? <laughs> and he's a billionaire, right? Everyone asks him for money because when, you know, you have that wealth, right? And I had no idea. So I was calling. I like learned how to use a fax machine by myself. I was scanning, like scanning, faxing all of these like dinner invitations to have these, you know, fundraising parties with these politicians and these political causes. And I, I did all the grunt work that no one wanted to do, right? No one wanted to go to do a fax machine. No one wanted to go to a bar after hours and collect the checks. And, you know, be the MC and introduce people, right? Like no one wanted to do that. But I was like, hey, I, I'm going to do it. And then I got to meet Mark Pincus. I got to meet Mark Benioff, right? Like I got to talk to them. Um, and, you know, I didn't realize that then. I didn't know who any of these people were at, at, at 22. Like I even got to meet the owner of the Golden State Warriors. Nice. And I got to go as a 22-year-old uh, to sit on the floor. <laughs> like you know and, and, and so that's like an amazing experience that you know i had to put in these like crummy work hours where i'm working 80 90 hours a week a lot of it just like in these bars just collecting checks and like playing mc and and, and, and calling people and emailing people to get there but I, I built like that kind of network right and i got that exposure to oh wow this is what the world of politics is like and this is what 
um, how these leaders, how these executives got to those places that, you know, random people like me are now asking them for money or to show up to things. You know, that makes so much sense that, you know, uh, something similar, but not as interesting as your story is that <laughs> when I started recruiting, I would get job, you know, so let's say Prudential would give me a job order for a branch examiner. Now, a branch examiner would be somebody who would fly to, let's say, Tampa and, and review and examine a branch office to make sure they're adhering to all the rules and regs. Then they'll go to New Orleans, and then they'll go to Kansas, and then they go to Iowa. And the reason they gave me those jobs, because most people didn't want to take it, because it's a grind. You're living out of a suitcase. You know, you're going from an airplane to, to, you know, the hotel, to the office, to the airplane, to the hotel. So it's just, at first, when you're young, these people would like it for a little bit, right? Like when you're 21, 22, it'd be oh, cool. I'm traveling for work. You're I'm like a big shot. Miles, yeah. right. You're like you a big shot. This is really cool. Once in a while, yeah. And then after a while, they get completely burnt out from doing it. So- so they would kind of just roll over and they would give me the job because most recruiters didn't want to take it because some would start and within two months they'd leave. And for recruiting, when you, usually the contract says you have to stay three months working on the job for the recruiter to get paid. And if they left before you put all that work and time and you get nothing. So a lot of them didn't want to take those jobs. I was too young and stupid. I was like, I'll take it. I'll do it. And then what happened <laughs> is the people who I placed as a branch examiner would then go into a step up and then a uh, step up and step up. Wow. And I stayed in touch with these people. So then over time, they're the VPs, there's the directors, what have you. And then they were telling me, Jack, okay, I really appreciate you got me my first start. Now I want you to help place people for me. And here's what I need. So sometimes I think for the people listening to this, you want to take the dirty jobs. You want to take the grunty jobs that no one else is looking for. In fact, the whole premise of my business that I started, it was focused on compliance. And back when I started it, that was like a bullshit backwater. No one cared about it. It was like, turned up your nose. I swear to you, I would go like, I remember so clearly, I went to the, you know, the doctor for something. goes, hey, what do you do? And I'm a recruiter. What kind of recruiting? Compliance. He looks at me like, what's compliance? What, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> it was like nothing. And that's when I was like, I know I'm in the right space because I had that lane to myself because uh. everybody wanted to be a recruiter to place investment bankers, hedge fund guys, you know, all those big ticket items. And I'm like, wait, why am I going to go into the lion's den with all these tough competitors where I have this lane that no one knows about, no one cares. And I'll just, I'll just run it. I'll, I'll, I'll run the table and do the best. And fortunately for me, what happened is that it, with all the scandals and problems and issues, that whole space blew up. So right. like, so we, we blew up. It was crazy. We made a fortune because we were doing it when no one cared. So we learned, we made the connections, we networked, we knew the people, we knew, you know, we knew the senior executives, they knew us, we had trust with each other, we'd go out to eat, go out to drink, go out to party. So then when things really took off, we were the go-to people because they knew us. Yeah, so you that's, built that trust and track yes. record. See, I was thinking, you're younger you, too bad someone didn't tell you, hey, wait, don't just stop 
asking for donations from Benioff and others, find a way to keep getting in touch with them and being on their radar. Because imagine all those years later, if you found a way to stay in touch somehow, some way, who knows? Oh my gosh, you yeah, would have been this like right-hand person. I have no idea what Zynga was or what yeah. Salesforce was. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had kept in touch with all those folks because- So here's two things, Kyle, I'm taking away from this. One is that yeah. I think sometimes taking those jobs no one else wants could be a huge win thinking long-term. Number Create two- your niche, right? Yeah. Number two, I think you and I had the same thing. We didn't have, it sounds like, and I think I know you well enough now, we didn't have parents or mentors who would say, hey, Jack, here's what you should do to kind of get yeah. your career. Or, hey, Rick, you just met these really super successful people. Let's figure out how you can kind of leverage that. So like we like with like, doop, 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 just going around right. not knowing how to do it. And so for the audience here, these are lessons. Like if you get in touch with these people, you want to keep in touch with them. You want to stay in touch. You want to find a reason to keep helping them. You're not just saying, hey, I want money from you, but how can I help you? What are you working on? Anything I could do for you? So to cultivate those relationships. And I think what I learned from your story also is the guy sitting next to you, right? Who just might be a manager or a lead or a supervisor, or maybe he, his butt was in the seat six, 12 months sooner than you. Eventually, just like you, they're going to get promoted. They're going to rise up the ranks. They might move to another company that's bigger, flashier, whatever, right? And, and so you're also networking when you're in the office, right? When you're Absolutely. in the trenches, kind of, it's, it's almost like that, like hazing in a fraternity, right? Where mm -hmm. it, it sucks and it's kind of pointless, but at the end you've accomplished something with a random set of people together and you've built those bonds stronger and better because of it, right? Where right, because now you have this tight the, group of people who were working in the office together and now you have this bond. Yeah, that did the 70, 80 hours a week on Excel. You know, like updating the like 50 millionth spreadsheet together or writing the like thousandth line of code together um, overnight at a hackathon grinding. And that person could go somewhere, be a founder, um, get that next level up at another company or bigger, better company. Um, and, and you could follow them or they could keep in touch. And, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. Right. And I think that's the big part of, networking that that people miss right i think people approach networking as in oh like it's very tactical i need something from this person or i want something and so i'm only going to reach out to them for this reason and it's like no the, the best networking is kind of natural right where it's about i know you i know your track record i know how you think i trust you on one level so when something does come up you just raise your hand and i say like Oh, actually, yeah, Jack, I know him. He's done this for me, X, Y, Z. Let me connect you. And you've spoken about this before in that what happens too, you, if you're home, you got to do everything yourself. If you're in the office, you know, there's this, there's always, hey, here's my guy to do this to help me out. Here's right. this woman who's just like amazing at such and such. And then that helps out too. So think about all the time you take trying to figure out whether it's an expel, maybe you're having trouble with your Excel spreadsheet, maybe you're having trouble just with your computer. Everything is a hassle. 
But if you're surrounded by people, even if it's not a full office, you have people to go to and find the experts and then stay in touch with them as like, you know, as you go on in your careers. So like you build upon it organically. And, and think about all of the executives that we've had on the show that we've had the pleasure of interviewing, right? And a lot of them got into the these higher ranks, these like more senior and more visible jobs by just grinding out, staying at their company, volunteering for those projects, right? Um, and And having that willingness to say, you know what, I actually... I'm a bit vulnerable here. I, I, I don't know how to do this. Um, I, I, I've seen you working on this. You seem to just know the tips and tricks. Um, can you teach me, right? And, and they build those like skills. They, they add to their toolbox. Um, and, and, and they're able to kind of synthesize all of these different lessons and learnings. And it's cross-discipline. It's cross-project. It's cross-functional. And they're, they, they get these mentors and sponsors that are able to like pull them up. And, and, and that's how they, you know, get to, to come on our show, right? And get interviewed and, and have those high ranks and high paying TC jobs. Um, that, that's all part of it, right? Dude, there is definitely correlation after like, a, like 60, 70, how many people we've spoken to. <laughs> I've definitely noticed that the senior level executives, let's even say the CTOs, Right. You would think, yes, they're great technologists, but they also have really good personalities and really good communication skills. They're empathetic. They know how to schmooze. They know how to talk. They know how to befriend you. So they have that complete package. And I think they got the complete package from being around people, you know what I mean? And, 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 and doing things and finding out what works. You know, when I say X, does that resonate with someone or does that sound bad? And I got to know not to do it again. So you kind of have that constant interactions with people and you hone your skills. And so now you have the tech skills, you know, software engineering skills, plus also you have those human skills. That's what gets them, right? Think about how many times it's, it's very common that you see that's how they got to the top. Now, for people who are working remotely, do you think they're putting in eight hour days or are they... <laughs> Or, or are they putting in like half days? Yeah. I, so I, I have a funny story for you, Jack. There was um, a Business Insider article recently. Uh, the reporter discovered a very popular user poll online. And it asked exactly the question that you asked or, or you sought to answer right now is, uh, how many hours are you actually productive a day working from home? And about 45%, so nearly half of people answered four hours or fewer a day, which I, I get it, right? Because you're in like all these calls, you're in these meetings, you're kind of distracted working from home. I, I, I sometimes I am. Uh, and so it's not surprising, but wow, nearly half of people, four hours or fewer, are putting in like hard productive hours by their own admission. So it might even be like a overestimate, you know, maybe you're only doing two or three and you're going to say, right, right. so they're four. amping it up. Like they don't want to say, they don't want to say two and a half. Cause that's really bad that maybe they'll yeah, track me down three, and I'm going to get fired. Four, yeah. Wait. So when it's four, is that four like hours, but then you do other stuff or just like four hours and I'm like, I'm piecing out going home or I'm just, I'm done. 
Yeah. So, so I did the hard work for everyone, and I, okay. I, I read through that 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 crazy <laughs> discussion thread on Blonde. Okay. Uh, and I had like thousands of comments, and a lot of it was people saying, you know, I don't feel productive when because I'm working remotely. You have to be a lot more intentional about communicating with another person, right? So, you know, like Jack, when when I set up this call so we could record a podcast. I had to email you. I had to say, like, I want to meet with you at this time. We had to send a calendar invite. We had to actually show up. And now we're doing this, right? So everything's a lot more intentional. It's a little bit more procedure. And so at these large companies, right, maybe you're like a growth stage startup also. Um, the amount of time even engineers are spending in these, like, meetings, two, three, sometimes four hours a day are unheard of, is not unheard of. And so I, I could see people saying like, you know what? I, I don't know why I'm in all of these meetings. Some of these meetings could just be an update on a doc or an email or on Slack. And so I don't necessarily feel productive. But from an outsider's perspective or from a company's perspective even, um, you know, that's still work. They're, mm-hmm. they're still working. Um, it's just not as productive. Whereas perhaps inside the office, you know, Jack and I, maybe we're sitting next to each other and I just like, scoot over and I'm like, hey, Jack, what do you think about this, right? We don't have to like send you an email and set up a time and booth will show up to a Zoom call. So maybe there's something missing or so what do you do you think that they that people and and would it be specifically like say software engineers or we're talking just general tech people who could be product managers, project managers, accountants, like, yeah, this is across the board, right? Or no? In terms of the 40, this 45 percent is across the board. At so, all different you know, different disciplines. It's different it's mm. industries, disciplines, functions, seniority. Oh, ages. so it's not just tech. It's in other places too. Yes, um, and, and so it's it's all folks huh. that self-identify as. Is this is this remote somewhere. or is this in office or do they break it down that way? It, it's it's remote. So it's all the huh. folks that are working remote. How much do you work in a day? Was like wow. So, okay. So this is, well, all right. I'm trying to process this now. So <laughs> I, I was thinking, cause of blind, I'm just thinking in terms of like software developers. Right. And I'm, and my take was going to be this for it as well. You know what? If you're spending four hours deeply involved with coding, I could see like, I got to just take a break. My head's going to explode. You know, that's enough. And then maybe I'll do some soft work for another hour or so. Okay. I could almost get that. But this is like all different kinds of, so it's not just that. It's like everybody. Yeah, I mean, blind isn't just tech folks, right? So we have... Oh, so this is just for blind people or is it other people outside? This is just blind users, right? Because finance, Uh, I know you have finance. You have have finance, we have business development, sales, marketing. Uh, We have folks that work at airlines. We have folks that work in the government. Um, And and so it was a pool of over 9,000 blind users. That's a lot. And it was simple, straightforward. One question, how much do you work in a day? Uh, Summed up uh, 45%, nearly half answered four hours or fewer. Uh, so what do you so, think about that? Like, do you think that's accurate? Like if you take that, not just for the blind, but just if you extrapolate it, just regular across, you know, all industries, do you think that's really what it is or no? I don't know myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. It's like speaking from my personal experience, right? So like I 
probably put in 50, 60 hours mm-hmm. a week, um, typically. And a lot of the time that I'm putting in during kind of your typical working hours, your, your nine to six, um, I, I'm, I'm sitting in meetings or I'm preparing documents or uh, updates of like some vital spreadsheet. Um, and, and I actually don't get into the kind of hard focus work until like the late afternoon or early evening. Right. But that when counts as work, though, right? Work. Even that kind of stuff, that's work. Oh, absolutely. Right. Okay. But I can see myself or other people like in my situation saying like, oh, how, how much work am I doing? Well, like the hard kind of head down focus work uh, that's not meetings or, you know, this like kind of busy work or logistics might be four to five hours a day. But that's probably right. Right. If you like strip away all of the other kind of, you know, menial tasks. That, I, I think that's generalizable. It, it certainly didn't surprise me. Well, I feel really stupid for working way more hours. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? I didn't get the memo that I could just don't have to do that. I, I mean, well, there's like, there's, you know, you and me, right? Like, we're, we're putting 60, you, you might be doing plus, right? And I, I think it's just like different work, right? Um, where... You're probably like out on calls and like you're speaking face to face with people like stakeholders, clients, right? And partners. That makes a bit more sense. My my meetings tend to be a bit more internal when I'm not speaking with reporters outside, right? And so, you know, some of those meetings internally, do I do I consider it work? You know, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Now I don't mean and to so- get anybody in trouble, but do you think <laughs> like the executives of like Meta or Amazon or what have you? which take a closer look at their people and say like, what are you guys doing every day? Like, do you think because of this and Rick, I shouldn't say this because everyone's going to hate us, but do you think because not just because of this one, but just in general, you know, the tenor of the times where these companies might start putting in spyware and other things into, you know, the computers to see like, you know what? How many hours are they working? What are they doing when they're working? Are are they on their computer, but just, you know, shopping online? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to, I hate to break it to you, but a lot of huge companies are doing exactly mm-hmm. this, right? So on Blind, we had Tesla employees leak the emails that they're getting from HR on Blind saying, uh, hey, Rick. We notice from your badge entries and exits every day that you, in the last two weeks, you only went to the office seven times out of 10 workdays. Please explain your absences. So these yeah. are actual automated emails that are going out um, according to you know these leaked emails that have been posted on blind at Tesla. Uh, we've seen... Uh, Bankers at J.P. Morgan Chase post on blind, my manager is tracking when we're going to the trading floor, when we're going to the office, what days, if we're late, if we're using the bathroom too long, when we're logging into the computer, when we're logging into the terminal. Um, So there's these like, oh, my managing director is getting these reports every single Friday. You know, like there's all these reports where these huge blue chip, big companies 
they are doing exactly that. They're tracking bathroom breaks, tracking when you go into the office. They're tracking absences. They're tracking tardy times. Uh, you know, and I, I'm sure there are other companies out there that we just don't know about that are doing exactly like wow. you're, you're suggesting, where they're looking at, you know, how many hours you spend at a meeting on, on, on Google Meets or Zoom, or, you know, what web pages you're actually using or what programs you're opening, right? Uh, to measure your productivity. I mean, that is certainly possible. And I'm sure there are companies out there, there's software certainly that exists to do this. You think, because, you know, up until recently when you know, started all these layoffs and kind of hiring freezes, that they were just, you know, the leadership didn't really care. They were minting money. Everything was fine. Now that things are different, a little tougher, that maybe more companies are going to start implementing what you're talking about, saying, hey, times are a little tougher. We got to tighten the belts. We got to make sure that you're actually working and you're not doing TikTok videos saying, hey, hi, this is my day working at, uh, <laughs> at Twitter. I'm getting my mocha, uh, you know, iced coffee in the morning. And, you know, you know, those kind of stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Just to clamp right down on that, huh? I mean, I, I think you're right, but I don't think it's out of a concern about kind of saving money or trying to identify people to lay off or or anything like that. It's certainly not budget motivated. It's more productivity focused, right? So, um, you know, Mark Benioff recently said, oh, you know, I looked at our sales rep, right? Salesforce is heavy yeah. workforce and a lot of it is those salespeople and it was something like uh, 20, you know, like it was like the, the, the Pareto principle, right? Like 20% of people are bringing 80% of the sales and 80% of the revenue, right? What, what are the remaining people doing? And he used that as an opportunity at Salesforce to identify people that just need to be coaching, right? For coach, like, oh, maybe you need to be updated on kind of the latest new product features. Maybe you need to be um, kind of, drilled on how to identify objections and respond to them when a prospect contacts you and says xyz right and, and so these thought more as like a way to figure out how to get people to be more productive and get that coaching because you know when you're working remotely from home you know as opposed to like maybe in a call center or maybe in an office where you can overhear your coworkers. you know when i was in college I, I signed up for a job really late on on campus job really late at Cal. And I got the job that no one wanted, which was the call center. So I'm literally calling alumni, sometimes current students, their parents, and asking them to donate money to the university. <laughs> and, and that was like, you know, like, really like lamest job. And I struggled with it at the beginning, right? It was very, very challenging. But when you're in between the calls, like hanging up and dialing for your next call, I'm overhearing the, the, the people next to me and kind of the tips and tricks that they're doing, like the openings that they're saying, uh, the things that they're saying, like, yeah, I understand that it's a lot to donate at once, but would you consider doing, you know, a dollar a day? Would you yeah. like, would you be willing to give up like less than a cup of coffee a day to support the number one university, public university, right? And, and like, just like throwing all those superlatives and all of those things in, 
and making people feel good, breaking it down the total um, to show value. Like those were all tricks that were really helpful for me to kind of pick up through osmosis as a 19, 20 year old. Right. Um, and you know, you don't have that culture when you're in your own living room, you're by yourself uh, and you're working on your laptop and, and you just don't, can't benefit from other people's experiences and, and kind of knowledge there. It's interesting. And so you feel that it's not as if it's punitive that they're looking at, let's say, Salesforce to go after. It's more of making sure that the person, particularly if they're remote, knows what they need to do, have the tools to get what they do. So so it's more, which which is better than, because I was thinking of initially more like looking to point a finger and maybe you have to worry about your job, but it seems no, that's not really it. It's want to make sure is this person doing the best they can and contributing the most they can and getting the most value for him or herself as well as the organization. So it's really more that as well as opposed to being worried about like I'm just being spied for the sake of being spied on. Yeah, and and I mean I, I think Jack, you know this yeah. probably more intimately than other people that are listening, right? So you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur. And you have a, the responsibilities that you have on your plate are a completely different responsibility or skill set that someone working for you might have, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, if you fail, there's so many people on your payroll that are depending on you for their livelihood, right? Where the stakes are ultimately much higher for you, right? Where if you can't get everyone to be productive or the business to do well, like everyone's out of a job. And that just, that pressure is... So incredible, right? right? I don't need any other pressure, like, you know, you know, software to monitor me. I just got, yeah, I have no choice kind right. of thing. Where it's like, it's like, I, I need to be able to like right. sign the paychecks and make sure everyone yeah. gets paid, right? Uh, that is an incredible motivator. And if you're early in a career, your kind of main priority is to learn and is to kind of complete the task that you're driven, you're given. If you're a leader, if you're an executive, your responsibility ends up being making objective base, right? Mm-hmm. So making sure that um, this project goes out on time, hits the revenue goals and that kind of thing. It's, it's impact focus, right? Rather than task focused. And part of that impact focus is making use of the resources available, right? So I'm always telling my more junior people on the team, like, do you have the resources available to do your job, right? Like are people meeting with you? Like, do you find it easy to speak with executives to share your opinion, right? Do you need me to kind of do that heavily blocking and tackling up front to like book those meetings for you, pay for those software, those tools that you need? Um, I, I need to make sure that they're productive, right? And so I'm, I'm checking in. I'm also checking with the team and dynamics and saying like, oh, are they getting along so that they can actually like focus on their work? Or are they kind of boggled down by like, you know, petty things or like logistics or like interpersonal things, right? And and so your job as a leader, a lot of these times is to make sure everyone's effective, right? And so you're looking at this data, you're using these tools. I imagine to figure out, gosh, like are the people that I, I want to succeed and I want, you know, that need to like serve this critical function uh, as a part of this greater process or as a greater part of the company, or are they doing what I expect them to do or what I need them to do or what I need them to ramp up to? Um, that That is probably the biggest motivator, I imagine. It makes a lot of sense. 
that's that because that's something that I still deal with because I'm doing remote. But the little things, they don't seem like much. You know, I equate it to this. If you're outside, right, and you have these little gnats and they're just like bothering you, it's not terrible, but it's just like, oh, oh, and it's just annoying. So it's like all day long, you have those little annoying things that just distract you. Exactly. So it's if you could get rid of all those distractions and just be in the flow, be in the zone and just hyper focus on it and be productive, you know, that's the best. Now, I lost my train of thought. What what? I, I forgot what I was going to say now. So forget it. We'll just, we'll just end it. Yeah, we'll, cool. we'll save it to the next. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Really, like a lot of this, like career advice, we think really could apply because you could truly stand out if you're, you're the only one doing these things. Okay. That's it for the Blind Ambition. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.